0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to Blue, where we work to bring awareness to the Gen Z mental health crisis by providing you with a first-hand look into the issues current teens are facing. I'm your host, Ramibu Palam. I want to create an open space where my generation can voice their opinions and experiences or have an outlet. For this episode, I'm going to highlight the voice of a 17-year-old high school student who's going to share a story for the first time and the way she coped. She prefers to stay anonymous on this episode as she will be sharing very personal and sensitive details. This story covers topics like parental emotional neglect, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and mental health stigma. Hi, how are you? (laughs) Good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for coming on my podcast and being willing to share your story. Of course. So to start off, can you give us an overview on what your family situation has been like over the last few years? Well, so basically, ever since I was a kid, I really never had like a
1: father figure in my life. So my parents separated when I was around six, but I never really visited my father or he never visited me like before that. And I basically lived like your stereotypical child who doesn't really have a father, I guess. So I never really got to know him or he never got to know me. And so it's been like that for like a really long time until I was six and I asked my mother, what's going on? Like, why does everyone else have a father figure and I don't? And I guess that's where um, I had a rocky relationship with my mother as well. Mm -hmm. So basically she would try to avoid that question or if not she'd just say oh he has his own business to take care of or things like that and i was always a curious child until like one day she told me he's in jail could you please stop asking and i was like oh okay then so once again i started off my relationship rocky with my mother and then with my father i guess i got a few phone calls like once a month And then sometimes once every six months. So Mm -hmm. our connection really wasn't there. And ever since I started going to middle school, that's when like a major milestone occurred. So as a child, you like to believe that you care for your parents, you care Mm -hmm. for your mother and you care for your father or whatever. And I really cared for my father, even though he like never was in my life or anything like that. Mm And so one day I received a phone call from him. It was when I was in eighth grade. It was 10 at night. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I was up that night, but apparently he was. And he called me saying he was dying. And I was like, whoa, hold up. Can we just backtrack that and like give me some context, please? And Mm -hmm. he just kept on saying he was dying and that like he loved me. And I'm dying again. And I just wanted to let you know, I love you. And I was freaked out. Mm -hmm. I was in eighth grade, I was really freaked out. Mm -hmm. And I remember just sobbing and sobbing until my mother came in. And then she got mad at me for sobbing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was really funny. Um, I mean, being a child and hearing that your father is dying without any context or anything like that. And then having your mother over here yelling at you for crying about that, crying for a man who like didn't even explain anything for you. It kind of made me feel stupid. But at that mm-hmm. time, I never really saw it like that. I saw it as me just caring for my father. Um, next day happened and turns out he was perfectly fine. Um, mm-hmm. He was just really drunk that night. So oh, no. yeah, <laughs> so that was really fun. That was the best experience ever. Um, but fast forward a few years, uh, freshman year, um, he actually is dying. Um, But he didn't call me this time. He called my mother and she had to tell me privately in the car. And I guess at that point, I I understood a little bit more about my relationship with my father and how we never really had Mm -hmm. a good relationship. I mean, there were times where he would visit me like once a year. And I really enjoyed those times, mostly because he would buy me things and all that Mm -hmm. good jazz. (laughs) And that's always fun. Free things. Mm -hmm. But I also enjoyed like the conversations that we had. And I always thought that maybe just maybe the next time he'll stay a little bit longer or he'll just be around a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But I guess that never was the case. Um, So when I heard that he was dying that day, like actually dying where he had cancer, I guess my emotions were just out of place I mean I remember trying my best not to laugh because Mm -hmm. (laughs) my mother was right there and I didn't want her to think I'm a psycho or anything like that Mm -hmm. but I just remember like biting my tongue just to not laugh like the irony I don't know it was Mm -hmm. like really funny I guess to me I don't know why but it was just funny I guess um he called me a little bit more but I guess I really wasn't into our conversations anymore I really didn't care enough about that anymore i would like yeah he's dying and he's my father and i should be there but i really didn't feel like i was supposed to be there Mm -hmm. so when i heard that my father would gladly facetime with his family and he would no longer call me anymore i guess just that just further proved my point on how he never really cared for me like I don't think he ever really saw me as his daughter, like his own Mm -hmm. daughter, someone to like love and care for. And when he called me the last time telling me um, that he wanted me to visit him, for me to drop everything, my summer school and my work with my mother, I had to say no. Mm -hmm. I had to tell him, I can't visit you and I won't visit you. I'm sorry. And so... I guess we had an awkward pause, and I guess we both knew the reason why I didn't want to go. I I just didn't mm-hmm. feel like that was my role anymore as his daughter, but
0: I'm not his daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. So When he said stuff like, I love you to you, how did that make you feel knowing that he was never there for you as a father? Did you believe him or did you just think he was making that up just to... At first, I did believe
1: him. I mean, I was a child and Mm -hmm. I believed that both my parents loved me so much and like he had his reasons for leaving me. And so I really thought that he did love me. Mm -hmm. But then after a while, I guess some part of me hoped that he really did. And Mm -hmm. maybe he did love me, but not enough, I guess, or something like that. I Mm -hmm. mean, I'd hope he loved me. I mean, he was my father. And <laughs> you know I mean, like, I really hope he did. But he never
0: showed that to you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when did you start to realize that you don't have what other people would imagine as a normal family dynamic? When did that realization come? Uh, that probably happened during middle school. Um, a little bit in elementary school when
1: I would see my friends getting picked up by their fathers, and I was like, where's my father, Mm -hmm. but mostly in elementary school, because that's when things were really rough for me. And I started realizing how my peers and my friends would have these caring families, either with one loving parent or both. And I would just hear how they are so united and how they're so together. And then I was like, why don't I have that? Mm -hmm. Why is my family so separated? I don't really have a father present in my life. And my mother has her own issues that she has to deal with. So she's out of the picture, I guess. And so Mm -hmm. it's just me. And I realized that I'm the only person who has to comfort myself. Like I can't Mm -hmm. go to anyone else. So I guess I just realized in that moment that, my family's weird.
0: <laughs> I'm a really weird family. <laughs> everyone's separated. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That must have made you feel really lonely when you just don't have the support that you need. Definitely. Mm-hmm. During that time when I discovered
1: that, I was like, oh, great. Mm-hmm. So it's just me in this world. And I guess that's where things started to spiral downward, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about how you, what was going on with your dad affected your relationship with your mom? What kind of things would you say that would upset you so there was
1: so when my father died i received a text message from my cousin telling me um my uncle's dead uh you sh- if you want you can tell me what you want me to tell the pastor so mm-hmm. that way he can pray for you like she said it in such a weird way but, yeah, <laughs> so direct in, like yeah, that. yeah so direct mm-hmm. but like her uncle not my father, but Mm -hmm. anywho, uh, I got that at eight in the morning and my mother was at work. So I woke up like around 10, I saw the message Mm -hmm. and all that good jazz. Um, my mother came back like around four and, um, she told me that my father died because she heard about the news. And I was like, yeah, I know. And Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, she got mad at me for knowing before her, I think. Um, so she told me, um, She just gave me that look, you know, that really weird look, that distant look that she always gives me. She told me how lucky he was that he didn't have to take care of me, how lucky he was that he didn't have to experience anything with me. Mm -hmm. And I guess that hurts a little bit. I mean...
0: So did you feel like she blamed a lot of things on you? I think so. Indirectly. Indirectly, yeah. yeah. Because Mm -hmm. she would tell me how my the reason why my
1: father didn't want to stay here was probably because I wasn't born a male. I was born mm-hmm. a female and how my father and his family always had this weird thing where they wanted like firstborn males because I think they could take care of their last name and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But I'm a female, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I didn't really fit the criteria for them and so that's why he probably
0: left supposedly. So I Mm-hmm. I think that's the main reason why so your mom just thought that it's because you were born a girl that he left and I think so and because mm-hmm. his father
1: my father said of the family is always so big on like um if you're our blood uh you're invited to our family reunions because you're family if you have our blood but um mm-hmm. if you don't have our blood you're out of the picture but I have my father's blood but I was always out of the picture in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I guess that just signified
0: how really I was unwelcomed. So you were kind of, you just, you didn't have any parent to rely on because both of them were kind of separating from you in different ways. Yeah. Did that, so how did that impact your mental health and your self-image?
1: Oh, that's bad. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah, it's probably
0: really bad. Yeah, that was
1: very bad. I mean, imagine being a child who, who just wants love. Like, mm-hmm. ever since I was little, I've always wanted love. And I, I mean, thought any I child. It. Also, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So middle school happened. And then I realized I don't have their love. I don't have my father's love. I don't have my mother's love. And then you're just here. And then you wonder, why? Is it something I did? Like, mm-hmm. is it my fault? Like, what did I do? How can I fix this? Mm-hmm. And then you start blaming everything to yourself. You Mm -hmm. start thinking it's your fault, it's your doing, you're the problem. Maybe if you didn't exist, everything would be fine. Maybe if you just didn't come into this world, everything would be normal, everything would be perfect, and you wouldn't have to be suffering alone by yourself. You
0: Mm -hmm. wouldn't have
1: to feel like this horrible feeling every single time of how lonely you are. Mm -hmm. So I got into that mindset and my mental state was not
0: doing very well, I guess. Yeah, and that sounds hard, especially when you have no one to go to. And I it was probably hard for you to talk about it with people you knew, right? Cause it's hard to talk about like personal and sensitive issues like this with your friends. Exactly. Did you have anyone outside of your family that you could go to? Well, talking about
1: personal issues like these, well, I did have a few friends that I would talk to, but they can't really do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the their... day you can only like
0: empathize and try to support yeah. Exactly. But mm-hmm. like, yeah. So did this, because you said that your mental health got really affected, did this affect you in school in any way? Surprisingly, no, actually, Mm -hmm. because
1: my mother would always get mad at me if I got anything less than an A. So I knew it would be bad if I got anything less than an A. So I always did my Mm -hmm. best. And I guess that's what helped me a little bit coping with everything, just focusing on my grades, focusing on getting perfect scores, because at the end of the day, that was the only thing I could do. So maybe I could just make her proud of me.
0: Mm-hmm. Distracting yourself and trying to prove that you're worthy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It didn't really help, but it was <laughs> worth a shot, I guess. Yeah, I get that. So what did you use in, as an outlet then? Because you have so much pressure come from, coming to you from all different aspects of your life. How did you deal with that? Was there an outlet or any way you coped with it? Thinking back on it? No, actually. Um,
1: I didn't really. So I can't go out of the house. I My mother's very strict on that. So I didn't get to do anything. I did music, but mm, that wasn't really my passion, I guess. So. Did you
0: write or journal or anything?
1: Uh, I did. I did write a little bit. That I guess you could say that was my coping mechanism, honestly, mm-hmm. because I did write about how I was feeling and it helped me a lot i guess mm-hmm. expressing my thoughts on the paper and pen but at the end of the day it really didn't help me when my mother discovered my writing. so your and, mom
0: discovered your writing yeah what? She, oh no <laughs> yeah she discovered
1: a, like a page of my writing and no
0: <laughs> how did that go <laughs>
1: um, thankfully it wasn't a vi- she can't understand english well so i'm mm-hmm. grateful for that you know mm-hmm. um it it was interesting I don't like to say that my mother doesn't love me because I think she loves me in her own way. Because when she read that, I think she knew something was wrong. And I guess she was disappointed that something was wrong, but she did try to get me the help that I needed. She took me to a psychologist so that way I can express my feelings. And I'm not saying psychologists are bad or anything, but for me personally, I don't really think they helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it was me who helped myself more.
0: Mm-hmm. I, you got yourself through it. Yeah, yeah
1: because I remember going to uh, my sessions with my psychologist. I had three different psychologists in a whole year, so that was fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <laughs> they were all good in their own ways, and they were nice, and they did everything fine. It's just hard to express yourself, especially with older adults when you're a teen and you just want to keep things bottled up. Mm -hmm. and you have no way of expressing them. So only one of the psychologists really did help me when she made me realize why I was thinking the way I did. So we discovered that I always had this mindset of me doing everything wrong. Mm -hmm. And even till this day, I still have that mindset that it's Mm -hmm. me. I'm the problem. I'm
0: doing this wrong. This is wrong. It's just wrong, wrong, Mm -hmm. wrong and cuz you can't just turn it off like a switch it's so hard to exactly. get rid of exactly yeah.
1: but i tried like wording my words differently if that makes any sense <laughs> no that does for sure <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so i tried saying things differently and it helped me a lot i guess surprisingly When you get used to saying the word wrong over and over again, I guess you have that mentality that everything is wrong. Mm -hmm. But when you start like switching it around and saying you'll get it better next time, like that positive enforcement, I feel like that gets you in a more positive mood. And I think that helped me a lot to discover why I was feeling the way I did, because it was a really dark moment for me to the point where my life could have been in danger and Mm -hmm. the way I escaped escaped from it was realizing Mm -hmm. that I should have focused on myself because when I was in this dark moment, I always thought, I always looked for the, I always try to (laughs) make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. In my head, I was Mm -hmm. like, if I'm gone, my mother is going to be all right. If I'm gone, my father will be all right as well. Like I won't Mm -hmm. be a, burden to anyone so I always kept telling myself like it's my fault I'm the problem I need to make these people happy but then I realized why am I making these people happy they don't care Mm -hmm. they they may care in their own way but they don't truly care about my happiness or my well-being they're not seeing the things that I see they're not experiencing what I feel and they're not going to help me at the end of the day mm-hmm. And the end of the day yeah they'll say they'll turn on a switch and say encouraging words but then they'll turn it off and then it's back to square one mm-hmm. so I thought why am I doing this for them why am I sacrificing myself for people who wouldn't even sacrifice themselves for me
0: That's an amazing
1: realization to get to. (laughs) It's an epiphany moment, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm, Yeah.
0: So did it become serious to the extent where you felt like taking your own life? It did, but the only problem
1: was I'm afraid of death. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, really, because our medication cabinet was in my room. Mm -hmm. So it was a perfect opportunity. And even my mother has expressed how maybe if I killed myself, everything would be all right. I remember a day when I was about to take those pills that I had in my hand. And my mother came in and she saw me crying after an argument that we had. And then she said, if you're going to kill yourself, then do it now and do it quick. And I guess she encouraged it. Yeah she encouraged it that day. And in that moment, I thought, wow, so I have her permission. So it's not suicide, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a weird logic in my head. So she really didn't care. She acted like she didn't care. Yeah. And so and she knew what I was going through, which was even worse. So I looked at the hand that had all the pills. And the funny thing is, I'm a bit religious, like I won't identify with Christianity or Catholic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'll just say I believe in a God and that's it because I honestly hate praying. But anyway, <laughs> but I believe in a God. And I remember just looking at our little shrine. I wouldn't call it a shrine. I guess we just have the Virgin Maria and Jesus on it. Mm-hmm. Very pretty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. It was on top of the medication cabinets that we had. And I just remember looking at that. And then I was like, if I kill myself, is it the right thing? Will I, in death, what will happen? Will I Go to a better better place, or will it be hell all over again? Or what happens? And it's unknown. Yeah. Exactly. Point, yeah. And so I just remember that terrifying fear of death, like that terrifying uncertainty. And then I told myself, why am I putting myself through this? Why am I going through this fear for someone
0: who obviously doesn't care for me whatsoever? Mm-hmm. Because they're the way they treated you must have made you feel worthless at times. <laughs> clearly, yeah. yeah, I can only imagine like yeah. hopeless and worthless. Exactly.
1: So you get to a point where you're like why am I even doing this in the first place? Why am I feeling this way? Like why do I think if I eliminate el- eliminate myself from the equation will everything be all right? Like why mm-hmm. do I think this way when clearly Everyone else is telling me to do it, but why would I listen to them? Why would I give up my life? Why would I go through whatever experience happens after death mm-hmm. at such a young age when I have dreams, I have goals to escape and be free and be happy and finally find love maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe find some self-love. That, that would be amazing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I thought to myself... It's not worth it. It's not worth giving up your life for someone else when obviously they wouldn't do the same when they wouldn't even care Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't affect it either way. So,
0: With all you've been through, that's a really incredible realization (laughs) you came through. You should be proud of yourself for that. Thank you. (laughs) So I know it's been a while since your dad has passed away and all of this happened, but how are you doing now? Well, we're living,
1: so that's good. <laughs> um, with my father, I guess, I wouldn't say I'm over it because I don't think you're ever over it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But with my father's situation, um, I mean, I'm no longer crying when I talk about it. So that's a sign <laughs> that I'm moving forward. Improvement. Yeah. yeah. So I think little by little, I guess these things you never forget. They always stay with you no matter what. And I think that's Okay. I guess it reminds you how strong you are at the end, how Mm -hmm. you overcome it. With my mother, it's on and off, I guess. I mean, I love her because she's my mother and she's been with me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she's the one who's caused all of this conflict inside of me. But I'm also grateful to her because I guess I can say, I guess I will never feel that way ever again by anyone else because only Mm -hmm. she can make me feel that way Mm -hmm. and i mean i guess that's good at some moments (laughs) i mean i don't have to (laughs) worry about other people but it sucks it sucks because you grow up and then you understand the world a little bit more and then you just wonder why Mm -hmm. Why does it happen? Why is it happening to you specifically? (laughs) Exactly. Like, what did you do wrong? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I guess we're going. And I mean, I'm a senior in high school, so (laughs) um, I'm almost out of the house. So that's Mm -hmm. my goal right now. And I guess you can say, yeah, I'm a little bit traumatized, but
0: I'm living. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's the most important thing. You're getting through it. Exactly. Yes. Amazing. (laughs) Do you feel like you're stronger because of what you've gone through? Most definitely, yes. That's good. (laughs) How did you, because you came to this great realization, how did you eventually come to accept your situation and learn to prioritize your self-respect? Did that just come over time? Well, so you have your epiphany moment in that moment,
1: and then... I guess you start, like, over time, yeah, of course, you'll relapse a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's like with anything. You're so accustomed to something that you expected over and over again. But because you had a moment of realization, you can look back at your previous actions and then you can see how you could have done things differently or how you could have changed your emotions, I guess. I don't think that's a word I'm looking for, but that's what we're going to go with right now. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you can change how you felt. So basically what I did was look back and then I realized I shouldn't have to feel this way. I shouldn't have to think this way either. And so that helped me on future occasions when things like this would happen again. And I would tell myself, I don't have to feel like garbage. I don't have to feel like a burden because I already felt this before and I knew my feeling, mm-hmm. I did not have to feel this way. I knew it's not my fault. And that allowed me to little by little tell myself these things whenever situations like these would occur so that way I can kind of get used to being like my self-motivator, I guess, like myself, like I would give positivity to myself,
0: mm-hmm. I guess. I'm really Positive. bad with words, sorry. No, you... <laughs> You're doing good. Um, So did the hope of maybe having a better future, is that what kind of kept you going? What what are the small things that kept you going in these hard times?
1: Definitely goals, because I remember being seven years old and telling myself, when I turn 18, I'm leaving the house. I am (laughs) going to be someone in this world and I won't look back. And so, ever, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just sad that I had to think about that when I was seven. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is, goals really do help you when you really want to reach that goal. Because my number one priority is escaping and being someone in this world. And I don't know what being someone in this
0: world will mean one day, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I just being hope to accomplish happy. it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What do you wish you could have told your past self? If you could look back and knew how much you were struggling in the past, what is one thing you would say to younger you? <laughs> um, I would have told myself to stay strong, mm-hmm.
1: to keep on moving. It, it's redundant how many times people will tell you things get better. I wouldn't tell my past self it gets better because sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I would tell myself to keep on moving. Because maybe, just maybe, there is some light under this tunnel. so
0: That's good. (laughs) What is – so for the people listening to this right now who are going through something similar as you, obviously everyone's experiences is so different. So it can't be exactly the same, but even slightly similar. What is one thing you suggest to them or would like to tell them? I would tell them it's –
1: If they're going through suicidal moments, I would tell them those feelings that you're feeling right now, they're justifiable. And I understand that in that moment it hurts and all you want to do is just end it all there. Trust me, I've been there. Mm -hmm. But is it really worth it? Like, try to find the reason why you want to end it all. Do you want to end it all because you truly don't want to be here or is it for other people? Because I feel like most of us Mm -hmm. who are going through these moments, we always think, oh yeah, it's my decision. I want to end this all. But I think it's the, our surroundings, our environment Mm -hmm. outside of us. I think we are pressured all the time. We're just, some of us go through bullying and they'll say really rude things to you and you want to end it all, but you want you don't really want to end it all for you. I guess you just want to end it all to escape. You want to end it all so that way you can escape free. your reality. Yeah. Yeah. But is it truly worth it? I mean, I think the main reason why I escape my bad thoughts I guess was because I wanted to live out of spite Mm -hmm. (laughs) That, that was my main goal and I think I would tell them try to find the reason why you truly feel this way and maybe just try to keep on moving forward and get rid of that reason try to like avoid that reason or maybe think about your life if that reason wasn't there. And maybe that can give you motivation to actually continue on and maybe get there. Yeah, Yeah. maybe you'll find some joy and happiness in life
0: instead of being under this dark cloud. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) You said that so well. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I cannot even begin to imagine how hard it must have been to l- talk about all this stuff because you probably never have done that before. <laughs> no, first mm, Yeah, time. <laughs> so thank, thank you so much. And I think that it'll help a lot of people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Bye. Bye. There are so many things to unpack in this episode. I don't even know where to begin. Our guest talks about how she came so close to ending her life, but found a way through it. Although everyone's experience of insurmountable situations are unique, know that even though the walls seem like they're closing in on you at times, that nothing is permanent. This will pass. Even though you may be in a situation that feels so unforgivable, damaging, and hurtful, you'll learn the right way to deal with it. You may feel no one respects, understands, cares, or loves you, but Know that it's all transitory and you will get to a happy place. It's important to be hopeful. But if you are in a sudden state of emotional distress or are struggling in general, please either reach out to someone immediately or call the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, which is 988. I've also included some resource links in the description box for this episode, and we'll be posting some on Blue's Instagram as well. The Instagram is podcast.blue. Anyways, thank you all for listening, and make sure to tune into future episodes. Also, please contact me if you have something you would like to share, whether it's an experience or a story. And remember that you can come on this podcast completely anonymously, if that helps. My email is bluepodcast22 at gmail.com. Thank you.